McDonald's presents Burger Reviews by Hamburglar. Today's review, the hotter, juicier, classic burgers. Mr. Hamburglar. Bravo, bravo. He said, of all the McDonald's burgers I've ever hamburgled, these are the hottest, juiciest, and tastiest. Bravo. Hurry in and enjoy one of our 350 bundles, like a daily double and small fries for a limited time. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any of the offer comparison of prior classic burgers. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. On Wizard and the Bruiser, we find all those crazy little moments in geek history that made the things we love into inescapable cultural behemoths. If you love video games, movies, comics, and anime, this is the LPN show for you. But wait, Holden, it's not just educational. Shouldn't we talk about all those crazy boner jokes we make all the time? No, Jake! (laughs) No, we will not! Fair enough! Last Podcast Network presents Wizard and the Bruiser. Find it on your favorite podcast app and hit that little subby-dubby button. Ooh, we would love it if you did that. Oh, that would help us out so much. God, wouldn't you love to do that? Don't I sound like the kind of person you want to help? Like, hit the button. Like, just do it. There's no place to escape to. This is the last podcast. On the left. (laughs) That's when the cannibalism started. I was working on, honestly, just to prep this entire show. All I did was watch Tar. Yeah? Three or four times in a row. Yeah? And guess what, man? It sucks. Yeah? It yeah. didn't like really, Tar. really sucks. But he, one thing is, we st- have we begun? Are we recording this? Are you, you want to record? The, are you ready for the sequel? Hmm. Retar? Hmm. <laughs> uh, honestly, we probably could learn more from that. <laughs> um, but you know what's nice? I'll say. What's nice about reading somebody else's manifesto is that it gives me a break from mine. <laughs> it, it is you taking notes. It's just so nice to step back because you look at Anders Breivik's works, you look at it and you're like, what can I do better? Because this is the worst shit yeah. possible. But also, you know, less is more. That's what Anders Breivik's manifesto taught me is that less is more. I could use more pictures, but he does in the preamble of it. He talks about all the various ways it can be distributed. So he gives you permission to distribute it for him. Mm-hmm. And so he puts a whole thing in there about how he would have included a lot more pictures and diagrams but um, they would have made the file too big to share on just an email. <laughs> and I don't want to have all these different Dropbox links floating around because this is sensitive materials. And it's like, fuck you, you fucking piece of shit. 1,500 pages of that. Not of just whining. So annoying. <laughs> and, 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 and it's complicated whining. Yeah. <laughs> It's the worst kind. I keep it simple. Welcome to Last Podcast on the Left, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Marcus Parks. I'm here for the complicated whining with Henry Zabrowski. <laughs> it's me, Andas Breivik. It's Breivik. Breivik. That's what I can. I was listening. Oh my God, hours yesterday. I was driving to Venice Beach. I was back and forth, and I was just listening to the audiobook of one of us. And you, it gets it in there. It's, it's Andas Breivik. Breivik. He has an audiobook of his manifesto? No, 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 no. That's me reading it aloud to people on the street. Oh, this is a great idea for the Patreon. You reading people's manifestos. Oh, and that's Ed Larson with the Million Dollar Ideas. Hey, what's going on? I'm currently working on my manifesto. Ooh, honestly, that's our restaurant. Yeah, yeah, manifesto. Manifesto where Fucking you have to... 10-page menu. Yeah, yeah, yeah. have to go through my screens, and then you have to read every one of my shout-outs. <laughs> Ha <laughs> ha
Anders Breivik. It's Breivik? Breivik. Breivik. Anders Breivik was a Norwegian spree killer who murdered 77 people over the course of one long afternoon in July of 2011. While eight people were killed in a bomb blast Breivik set off in downtown Oslo, 69 were shot at a summer camp for politically active youths on the nearby island of Utoya. Now, we can't talk about how, unfortunately, with that number, no matter what we do, no, no matter what I do, I see the number and even the most solemn moments and I'm reading the most incredibly We said we serious. wouldn't do this. I know. It's just it's <laughs> incredibly explicitly, serious. We explicitly said we wouldn't do this. I, I'm not. I'm not doing it. But I was just talking about it. It was commentary <laughs> on it. Commentary on the thing that we said we wouldn't do that we said was just for you and me and we weren't going to share with anyone else. Nice. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> Well, as far as his reasoning went for committing one of the deadliest one-man shooting sprees of the 21st century, Brevik had convinced himself that he was fighting against the tide of Muslim immigrants by murdering those he felt responsible, the so-called cultural Marxists. That was a self-made term, by the way. Why can't they all be like World of Warcraft, <laughs> where everybody shows up at a designated time, and it all happens, and everybody's asking me, where do we have our potions, and where do I go? I don't understand. <laughs> But in targeting the island, Brevik went about his one-man war in the most cowardly way possible. Instead of targeting anyone who might fight back, he went for unarmed Norwegians between the ages of 14 and 25, i.e. political enemies who posed no physical threat. Who also had no idea that they were his political enemies. This is this guy. I also want to make sure up top, because uh, Anders Breivik uh, loves the concept that he is a freedom fighter and a terrorist. And that is why he he loves the moniker of terrorist. Like he want he tried to earn the moniker of terrorist. That's why we want to make sure what we what he actually is is a is a big floppy Norse fucking pussy. <laughs> that is a spree killer. Well, he's a spree killer. So we want to make sure we put him in that context. Yeah, he's a he's spree just, killer. Just because you got a stupid manifesto. Does it make you some kind of highfalutin Osama bin Laden type? Okay. <laughs> I know you think you want that, but you don't have the infrastructure. As a matter of fact, Osama bin Laden had friends. Yeah, he did. You yeah. know, like he does it. That's how <laughs> unlikable Anders Breivik was. Yeah. <laughs> At the end of the day, Al Qaeda is still hanging out. They're all hanging. They're going. They're having barbecues. They're hanging out. They're doing shit. They're playing games. They're playing soccer and shit. <laughs> There's a lot of stuff besides terrorism that Al Qaeda does. It's kind of got, they have a community outreach program trying to get more guys in there. That's the term. But this guy, Anders Breivik, he couldn't even convince other haters to like what he hates. Mm -hmm. Piece of shit. Indeed. Correct. To make matters worse, the immediate response by the Norwegian authorities to Breivik's killing spree was bungled on a level that nearly surpasses what happened at the elementary school in Uvalde, Texas in 2022, where a shooter with no experience in firearms managed to kill 21 while police waited outside. Hey, those cops were scared. <laughs> and you need to think about the scared. cops. I yeah. think about those cops, and those kids just started life. And those cops <laughs> knew what they would lose. So it's so hard. I, I, I will not defend those children. <laughs> Brevik spent well over an hour on that island casually murdering teenagers and young adults before police finally managed to make their way out there to stop him. This was despite the fact that Brevik actually tried giving himself up twice, basically telling authorities over the phone, okay, I'm done. Come get me. Come get to me. But when they didn't, he resumed killing anyone he found by first shooting them with a rifle 
then putting two pistol bullets in their head, all in the pursuit of a misguided and misinformed quest to rid Norway of those he held responsible for their increasing Muslim population. And let's be clear. Norway's still pretty white. (laughs) So I don't really know what he's talking about. A lot of the stuff he made up, and a lot of the stuff, obviously, he made up from his fart-filled gaming chair uh, while playing World of Warcraft. Well, he made up a lot of it himself. Other people made it up for him. A a ton of it's made up. We'll get into a a little bit of statistics later on to dispute all of this fucking horseshit that these guys peddle every single day. It's all white. White people, white snow, white... Yeah, it's everything. <laughs> white is, food. It's white, yeah, the herring. Yeah, yeah, herring it's, it's, it's all white. white. Yeah. It's, a, it's very interesting because he's like, ha, you know, it's again, it's just an example of somebody who has not stepped past his computer screen that believes he has a full read on the entire society at large, mm-hmm. where it's like, no, dog. You sit inside all day. Yeah. You don't do jack shit. You're not a part of society. No, you can't judge society based on simply reading shit on the internet. Because guess what, man? It's wrong. (laughs) And all of this, especially this right wing, what they do to sort of like, we we talked a little bit before the show, because there are obviously left wing fascist ideas along with right wing fascist ideas. There is left wing fascism, but I never understand why right wing fascists think that the only thing that you could do to combat left wing fascism is to replace it with another type of fascism. Well, the thing is that this guy isn't even, there wasn't even left-wing fascism. No, there like, wasn't. He's, not, he's fighting against nothing. It's, he's fighting, he's fighting ghosts. against ghosts. Yes. 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 The, he hates Muslims and he killed white kids. Yes. Now, as far as his personality went, Brevik was a narcissist of the highest order, a failure in everything except the act of murder, a continued blight on society from the moment he was born and tragically pathetic in every way. Have you seen his trinch-strap beard? I feel like that's the first example. <laughs> Example that you're not the Ubermensch. You cannot grow the connectors from the mustache to the beard. I don't think you're going to be the king of Norway. The king of <laughs> Norwegians have big, thick ass beards. Yeah. Famously, yes. Yeah. Up until he began earnestly preparing for his assault, Brevik lived with his mother and spent most of his time online in a location he himself dubbed the Fart Room. And he was so off-putting and repellent that he was kicked out of every real-life organization he tried to join. Of other miscreants. Yes. Like, literally, he would specifically go to where it's pretty easy to be included and specifically get cut out. Fart Room does, you know, make me, you know, kind of... That's funny. Yes. (laughs) But it's the only time he actually had a sense of humor in his entire life. The one time, yeah. And and in Norwegian, it's Fatsrum. It's even funnier. Yeah, it makes it even funnier. (laughs) As a result, Brevik became a creature of the internet. In his later years, he spent most of his time either playing World of Warcraft voraciously reading extremist right-wing blogs and message boards, or taking pictures of himself cosplaying as a Knights Templar or a Special Forces op while wearing his trademark vacant stare. He has that copyright. And actually, if you try to do a Norwegian vacant stare, which is like, I will not, just to be, to try to get sued by Anders Breivik, I'll try it now. Yeah, You can't see it. It's only visual. You can't see it, but it's... You have to look at. You have to go to our Patreon. That's right. In order to see that trademark vacant stare. Come for me, you Norway lawyers. (laughs) I don't know if they even do. They have lawyers over there. They have to wear. They have to sit in a bucket or something. Then they like. (laughs) Do they talk to a duck? Yeah, they throw. They throw a penguin. If it lands on its belly, he's guilty. (laughs) 
Well, if Brevik wasn't spending his time online, he was writing his rambling, plagiaristic, highly repetitive manifesto, which ran a staggering 1,500 pages. You feel each page. Yeah, you really do. So he, who did he plagiarize, just out of curiosity? Other Manny. right-wing dickheads. Manny. Okay, cool. Yeah. He called because he said his was the ultimate compendium uh, of, uh, of right-wing thought. Yeah. Well, this quite possibly makes it the longest spree killer manifesto in history, although the tedious nature of the text certainly reflects the tedious personality of the author. Tedium is <laughs> the medium in which he works. And he, uh, and Natalie asked me this morning, because I was like, oh, this fucking manifesto. I've been working the last two days. She's like, well, has there ever been an entertaining manifesto? And I said, well, yes. from our episodes... Chris Dorner. Chris yeah. Dorner. Never yeah. put great Dorner manifesto. in a corner. Yeah. Never. The great manifesto. You remember? Oh, my God. It like was a shout out of my life. Yeah. <laughs> it was terrifying when it happened. Yeah. He's out killing people. He drops Jeff Ross's name. I'm working for him at the time. We're yeah. shooting a TV show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's yeah. running around L.A. killing cops. He's like, I love you. We're like, what the fuck? Hey, man. <laughs> Never turn away a fan. <laughs> but before we get to the formative years of Anders Brevik, let's acknowledge our main source today. For this series, we're relying on the definitive and pleasantly exhaustive book, One of Us, by Asni Seristad, which could have just as easily been titled Portrait of an Asshole. That's this episode title immediately. Now, this book is really fucking good. Yeah. And it really does place the context of Anders Breivik and how he got, like, where he came from. It's it's really step-by-step and a very interesting read and also very funny because she fucking burns them in every corner. Oh, yeah. I mean, the subject can be tedious. Anders Breivik himself can be tedious, but the book never is. I mean, it's props to the author for like writing a story in such ways to make it like fascinating. Yeah. You know, to look into like, how does one become an Anders Breivik? I'll tell you how. Don't get good at anything. <laughs> <laughs> That's the first obstacle. And so let's get into that portrait by exploring the family that produced one of the most abhorrent people of the 21st century. Now, when it comes to the biggest influence in Brevik's home life, it was undoubtedly his mother who helped make Brevik into the type of person who was capable of doing what he did. Yeah, mom of the year. Yeah. Her name was Venka Bering, born in Norway just after World War II in 1946. After spending most of her early years in an orphanage because her mother was partially paralyzed by polio, Venka was eventually brought home, where her mother beat her mercilessly and blamed Venka for cursing her with a debilitating illness. Well, she was right, or? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how. I guess maybe she thought that she caught polio from her daughter, and that's what paralyzed her. I have no idea. How bad could the beatings have been? <laughs> Seriously. I mean, if you get the wheelchair over there and yeah. you get you, and you're in the, the upper body still work. I mean, FDR yeah. could still punch in the arm. Man, hard. Oh, yeah. FDR is a strong motherfucker. Oh, he's, yeah. He's, he's got he, jacked arms. Yeah. Man. He used to be, he had this uh, wooden elevator in his house that he would like pull up by himself. It yeah. was fucking badass. Yeah. yeah, yeah makes man. him strong. Is it weird that polio turns you into a rolio? <laughs> <laughs> Because of this misplaced blame, Vinka's mother forbade her from having friends to make life even more miserable. And the members of the Bering family were described by neighbors as gloomy and creepy. It, and perfect. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly as ordered. Anders Breivik does not disappoint. And this no. is like the land of gloom. Yes. No, yeah. this is a gloomy and creepy <laughs> land. They kind of yeah. did talk about that. because It was funny because I actually kind of thought that the the weather in Norway might actually be very good. But they said, like, I guess that is a stereotype that even the summertime, it's very depressing in Norway. Yeah, yeah I no, could see that. It's beyond the wall. You know, it's fucking upsetting. Yeah. Game of Thrones. 
You know, yeah, like, okay. yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I now I understand. I was like Berlin, and now I was like, thinking about <laughs> David Hasselhoff, and then I was thinking about Hitler. And, no, they're all White Walkers. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, Game of Thrones again. Of, yeah. I view them as Gimli's. <laughs> I think there's Gimli's. It's like when we went to Stockholm. I met Gimli's, and I met Legolas's. Yeah. And there was the two. And the Gimli's came to our show. And they said that the Legolas's wouldn't come to our show because they, they all are there. Too the, busy fucking. The strong people <laughs> live in the mountains and they come from the north and then they yeah. come down to our shows. Um, we uh, Our show is in Sweden. Yar, but that's what I mean. I, yeah. I, I still view them as Gimli's and Legolas's. <laughs> no, I've, I've had much uh, a lot of uh, experience with the Scandinavians. I, I know the Icelandic people quite well and they're quite jolly. Are they considered Scandinavian? Yeah. Definitely. Absolutely. 100%. I don't know. I thought it was just that cluster. I thought it was Norway, uh, Sweden, Finland. Well, I mean, they do see themselves as somewhat apart, but yes, they're very much Scandinavian. Yeah, because the because the Icelanders are like, they're like island people. They eat puffin and they live on lava. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Norway is the land of, like, not clocks, but it's something like clocks. That's right. It is like cold Hawaii. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, after Vinka Bering, Anders' mother, after she left home at 17, she was actually well-liked by most of the people who knew her. She was described as quick, clever, and considerate. But all that changed when she began having children. After having a baby with a Swedish man, Vinka married a cold and remote Norwegian named Jens Brevik. Soon after, she gave birth to Anders, although Anders came very close to being an abortion. Ah, so close! Oh, man! <laughs> yeah, just right out of the... Almost. Venka, after rushing into the marriage, noticed that Jens was distant at best with adults, but he was even worse with children. Yeah, why do you think if you're not good with adults, you're definitely not going to be super great with kids? Maybe no. I'm wrong. Maybe that's wrong. But I don't know. Dogs, well, probably fine. No. Yeah, I mean, you know. But maybe thinking that Jens would act differently with a child of his own, Venka went forward with the pregnancy anyway, giving birth to Anders in 1979. I've always, and I, that's always been my advice. If you find that your marriage isn't working and you're having problems there in the center of your relationship, throw a kid in there. Yeah. Always works. It yeah. always does. Always. It like Because it, you know what's nicest? You guys gives you a chance for you both to focus your rage and your bitterness <laughs> on a third party. Yeah. You know what I mean? Who didn't ask to be here? Yeah. yeah. Scapegoat. Exactly. It's perfect. Yeah. And uh, you know what? What's a baby goat? A kid. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> Her fears, however, were soon realized when Jens showed no interest in the infant Anders, and Vinka became even more distant and inconsiderate of anyone's feelings but his own. In other words, the apple didn't fall far from the tree. Being an asshole can be genetic. Oh, it was definitely in the DNA. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because he looks like a skinned apple. <laughs> <laughs> he really does. You know, what is with these guys that all believe they, they are the Aryan, like, they always think that they're the pinnacle of white people. Yeah. And then yeah. you look at them, it's like, have you seen Tom Brady? Like, have you seen, like, <laughs> yeah. like you're not. Like, you know, like, you're like, because he was maybe, even though I'm not into heightism, because that's what I call it. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. People say that against me. What people say that about you? Well, they say call me a short king, which I find to be infantilizing. Well, king is very much a compliment. It's a no, it is because it's. I've heard you refer to yourself as a prince more than once. Because I am. <laughs> I'm different. I actually am a short king. Others yeah. are not. You're like the prized pig at the farm. Yeah. <laughs> that doesn't know it's about to get killed. <laughs> but get studded right before he's murdered, which is the only thing I ask for. But why do these guys all think that they're the fucking, like, you have a, you, you look like a guy who orders paper for the office. No, yeah. it's, it's, it's the old cliche is that the biggest champions of the white race are always the worst fucking examples of it. Yeah. Always. 
And so over the next few years, Venka fell into a depression that she'd struggle with for the rest of her life, in addition to a myriad of other untreated mental problems that were only made worse by the fact that her son seemed to be born bad. We don't talk about that a lot on the show because I do feel like, you know, it's it's difficult to say that children are born bad, but Anders Breivik deserves that. He deserves that moniker. He was a piece of shit. I bet you he was a bad egg in the pussy. I bet yeah. you that, like, I think his sperm was a dickhead. Yeah. Like, he is such a absolute, utter, total dickhead since day one. And he, he was scary as a four-year-old. Yeah. After only a year, Anders turned from a fairly placid baby to a clinging, whining, moody, violent toddler. Meanwhile, Venka had filed a divorce from Jens and seemed to be changed by the utter failure of her marriage. Subsequently, she became strange and aggressive. Yeah. Which are two, it's a terrible combination to be strange and aggressive. Well, yeah. what happens when your baby is turns into Alfred Molina from Boogie Night? <laughs> like, what do you do when you're scared of the, your baby's become Tom Sizemore and it's walking back and forth, throwing shit over, going like, what you going to do, mama? What you going to fucking do? Do you want to get the knife, mama? And you're like, Jesus fucking Christ. Yeah. You, just, you were just sucking on me. Yeah, you know he fucking ruined her nipples, man. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those nipples are like at least a foot and a half. Yeah, they make it, It's hard when you turn a breast into a fjord. <laughs> See, in Norway, single parents can apply for something called respite care, in which children spend time with another family to give overwhelmed caregivers a chance to catch the breath. It's a great That's fucking Program. Awesome. It's there to give a human being a healthy amount of leisure time yeah. to take holidays, connect with friends and family. God forbid. God, yeah, God forbid. God forbid, God forbid, God forbid that you have a fucking single parent has time to fucking relax for a goddamn second. Oh, you mean like a fuck? Because you know what, man? F- fuck you. How yeah. dare you have freedom? <laughs> I'd borrow a kid. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I totally would borrow a kid. Yeah, yeah. Be like, I'll teach him how to pickpocket, and then like we'll go yeah. down there, like I'll teach him how to hotwire cars. I'll get a Kia boy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Roll this blunt. <laughs> That'd be incredible. Now, Anders and Venka were approved for respite care, and Anders was assigned to visit a more stable family twice a month. Venka, however, couldn't help but make bizarre and patently illegal requests to the family helping her out. Because I don't know, like, we're obviously, we can't go into the full details of it, but Venka, like, it really, she was weird. Yeah, she was very, very strange. And they, they just kind of let him to his own device because, like, she just told everyone, at, like, just straight up, like, my baby scares me. Yeah. Like, it's scaring me. It's, it's like, he's, I, he's encompassing my entire life. And his father has checked left. out. Like yeah. he's checked. He like lives in London now, and they're in Oslo. So well, he's he was like, a lower level diplomat. Yeah, which like, I think just means he fucks people in other countries. <laughs> <laughs> Reports back. <laughs> Not good. Soggy vagina. Hated hair. Good conversation. Well, for an example of Venka's strangeness, she was obsessed with her son's sexuality, and therefore paradoxically insisted that Anders be allowed to quote touch his weekend dad's penis on the regular. I actually think there was a series of movies called Touch Your Weekend Dad's Penis. <laughs> no, but she would ask him, it's like, so do you mind, like, he doesn't really have a father figure around, so do you mind that maybe when he's around, you could, he could, he could maybe touch your penis? And like, what was the reasoning for this? The reason was that if he wanted to be straight, he had to be familiar with how a male body worked because he only saw girls' crotches. Yeah, I didn't know what that it was like to be a man. That doesn't make any sense. Yeah, no, because no, you were fucking insane. It's I know my penis. No, At 12, no. I knew my penis. <laughs> it was all about vaginas. 
still a box of wonders. You just weren't <laughs> trained right, man. You weren't trained right. I am the perfect man because I jerked off my grandfather once a week. Yeah. And he taught me he was in World War II. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. it's important to see a greatest generation cock once yeah. in order for you to understand what it's like to have a penis that beat Hitler. Nice gray... <laughs> <laughs> he used Coming. to wear like three feet long underwear too. I do remember that about my grandfather. He was yeah. covered in powder. Yeah, <laughs> that was the old days. Incredibly, the weekend family didn't report Venka for these nonsensical and abusive requests simply because they were just too embarrassed to talk to anyone about it. They you guys, it's just weird. I guess, guys. I guess in other countries they don't have cannoli Sundays. <laughs> Please, sir. Please let my boy touch your penis. <laughs> and he's I just beg like, of you. I don't. I don't think so. I don't. Okay, I'm about to. I'm just how about, the how about we have a, it's, I'm just the weekend daddy. Um, but maybe we can have some sort of compromise where I just I go pantsless and I stand in like 10, 15 feet away from him. <laughs> Strangely, though, while the weekend family described Anders as a sweet boy, he was a mildly psychopathic terror to his mother. Brevik would hit both his mother and his sister. He would smirk when he was punished and he would shout, it doesn't hurt. It doesn't hurt when his mother wrongly shook him out of frustration. Yeah, he was specifically very aggravating. And they, they did say that for a four year old, he punched hard. Yeah. Well, I guess a four-year-old just four-year-olds, I guess, don't have the intention to hurt a lot of times. But man, I, I guess if you have that. it, <laughs> no, four-year-olds can fuck you up. They yeah, got yeah, the sharp yeah. nails and shit. They, and they fucking can fucking laugh. grab at you. They, yeah, they, yeah, they don't give a shit. Man. They <laughs> fuck you up, dude. Yeah, I mean, and so like, but they. When do you? This seems like a question that's going to get me in trouble. Hmm. When can you start shaking somebody? <laughs> I say What's you can just show you can uh, sh you can shake an eighteen-year-old boy man. man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Once you, you can turn eighteen, once you turn eighteen, uh, before that you can't shake him. Happy birthday! Yeah, no. But worst of all, Anders would crawl into Venka's bed at night and press himself against her, forcing his burgeoning and confused sexual desires onto his mother, creating a sort of vicious cycle of increasingly bizarre behavior on both their parts. Are we still talking about four? He's yeah. like four, yeah. yeah four or five. He's, he's trying to bang his mom? He's no, just getting you know, real weird with it. He's just yeah. getting real weird with it. You've never done the caterpillar game on your relative? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's funny to do. No, he's a... No. He, 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 it's also like... I maintain Anders Breivik is homosexual. Sure. And so I think that this is not an actual, uh, I don't think he uh, actually liked women. I don't think this was a woman thing. I think this was a strange mixture of, a, it is a search for affection sure, in a way, because he does not know how to receive affection and she does not know how to give affection. Yeah. Well, outside of the home, Anders was described as clingy and difficult, aggressive with how much attention he demanded from adults. But with children, he was remote. Described as invisible, silent, and scared, neighbors began calling him the Meccano boy because of the stiff, angular way in which he both acted and carried himself. He was obsessed with being neat and clean. He couldn't be, like, you couldn't touch his stuff. Like, he would, like, if you took his toys, it's not that he wouldn't share, it's that they would take the toys and he'd just sit there silently unmoving as you played with his toys. It's fucking creepy. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Did he have a, he had one sister? One sister, yeah, like a younger it, sister. two of them? Yeah. Okay. Live from your grave. 
This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace. Finding work-life balance can be tough, but Squarespace gives you the tools to reach your goals and have time to celebrate. Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. With the new guided design system, Squarespace Blueprint, you can select from curated layout and styling options to create a personalized website optimized for every device. Get your website discovered fast with integrated, optimized SEO tools. Plus, make checkout easy for customers with easy-to-use payment tools. And with Squarespace AI, you can explain what your site is about, choose your tone, enter what you need, and get auto-generated text. And that helps you save time. I know I'm sitting on about two literal wheelbarrows filled with horse pics. Now, part of the issue has been is a lot of these pictures are getting stopped at customs because some of them do depict various world leaders in horse-like circumstances that seems to be pinging a lot of these custom agents accounts. Now, so what I've done to do is like, so while I'm trying to work on hand smuggling these horse picks over various country borders, I then also have time because Squarespace is doing all the other ad work for me to go and work on my killdozer at home. So thank you, Squarespace, for allowing me to diversify in the best way possible for this country. Head to squarespace.com for a free trial when you're ready to launch. Go to squarespace.com slash left to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Vinka, meanwhile, was approaching manic in her behavior. From recollections, she ignored social cues and conversations and jumped from one subject to another, speaking inappropriately about sex constantly and laughing at her own stories while the person she talked to politely and awkwardly listened. Laughing at your own stories. I don't know what that's like. <laughs> yeah, I've never heard anyone. I've never, know I've, never, I've never done that in my entire Not life. Not once. Ne- a, no, no nervous what laughter. What a C word. <laughs> Finally, though. Venka and Anders were referred to the Center for Child and Adolescent Psychiatry for evaluation when Anders was four. Their specialists found, quote, a boy who took no joy in life, who couldn't play, take part in games, or pretend anything. And that would go for the rest of his life. Mm-hmm. Anders Breivik is medically unable to have fun. Yes. And I, there's something about that that makes a little Nazi. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what it is. We were talking again. It was one of those conversations we were having before the show of like, because Anders Breivik is the same same type of nerd as the Nazis, right? Like just the same type in terms of like real aggressive and also proactive. Mm -hmm. Like it's a proactive, hyper-focused shithead. Yeah. And a lot of it is that got to do with the fact that they can't, they physically can't have fun. So they don't want anybody else to ever have fun. So I guess they decide that like fascism is the only way. Yeah. I uh, found out something really interesting about Nazis, specifically Joseph Goebbels, the head of propaganda. I was watching this documentary about this jazz band that played for the Nazis, played like propaganda songs like, don't trust the Jews, the Jews are bad. Wow. And they'd like, broadcast it to fucking England and all in America and all over the place. But one of these guys in the jazz band said he once watched a screening of The Great Dictator, you know, the Charlie Chaplin yeah. Hitler movie with Joseph Goebbels. So he's laughing his ass off the entire time. Marcus tells me this right before the show. He's like, you know, Goebbels was a funny guy. No, I didn't say it like that. (laughs) What I said was, is I was also reading last night uh, in the Garden of the Beast. It's an Eric Larson book about American diplomats uh, in Nazi Germany while listening to music uh, that was forbidden by the Nazis. It's for the Cannes series we got coming up on No Dogs in Space. And the people that were the diplomats to America actually did say, like, they said in their letters, 
Joseph Goebbels was funny. That's a funny guy. Like they said, he was. They said he was witty. He was good. He was like good company. They actually said that he was the carrot top of the Nazi party. (laughs) (laughs) Which I was like, that's wild. But how how insane is that? Charlie Chaplin didn't want to make that movie. Really? Yeah. No. He actually he was real worried about it, and then he hit up the president, FDR, and the FDR was like, "Yeah, no, do it. This is your job." As like an American, as like, like a hilarious American, you, you will have to do make this. Fun of Hitler. You yeah. will do this film, or I will kick your ass. That's a funny <laughs> joke. <laughs> well, as far as Brevik's personality went, he had no language for expressing emotions, and he was unable to empathize with others. Which honestly, it's not the craziest thing because kids around four years old—they're notorious for like pointing out physical abnormalities loudly and in public. Oh yeah, of course. I've had a kid just be like, "You're ugly." <laughs> you know, and you're like, I understand that then you, you know, obviously you beat the living shit out of this child and then everything moves on. Then My God, I'm so on. glad neither one of you have children. You're just talking constantly about beating children. No, we oh. would never beat him in real life because of all the fucking implications. I'm, shake, I'm shaking him. I'm not beating him. I'm shaking him. Psychological. Yeah, yeah, psychological yeah. That's warfare. Where wanted, yeah, that's yeah, what yeah, you want to do. Yeah. yeah, you're slapping him like a hysterical. <laughs> <laughs> But eventually, though, as we'll see later, Brevik would drop any pretense of living in the outside world in favor of a custom-made reality in which he was the savior of European purity. Now, as far as his mother, Vinka, went, she was diagnosed with borderline personality disorder and could often be heard screaming at a four-year-old Anders that she wished he was dead. So that couldn't have helped either. No. But as a result, the center recommended that Anders be put into the foster care system. So maybe someone could turn this kid around. And I've always heard the foster care system is really where kids go to blossom. <laughs> I don't know how it is in Norway. In Norway, I would imagine it's far better than the foster care system here. I mean, who knows? I mean, no, they are a you're seeing the 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 advantages of a truly liberal government. Yeah. Which is like, but on the other hand, like it is interesting, no matter how good people got it anywhere else or how any system works. There's always like, you know, in the Kabbalion, they talk about magical principles, about polarity. There's always like, there's always, if there's one extreme, there's always going to be the other extreme. So you have the most liberal, open-minded, socially-minded country in the world. Like, of course, you're going to have this like little enclave of absolute shithead Nazis Mm -hmm. in the center of it. Well, soon... Brevik's father, Jens, heard about the center's recommendations and demanded emergency custody. But after a court determined that Anders was not in immediate physical danger, the request was denied. Maybe recognizing that she was a hair away from losing her son, Venka began putting up solid fronts during social worker visits, and Anders soon gave the appearance of being a pleasant, relaxed, and likable child. Therefore, the case for putting Anders into foster care was also dropped. What's up with the sister at this point? Sister doesn't get mentioned a lot, really. I Were think they the sister take her too. Or? I think the sister sort of fades into the background a little. I actually wonder if there was a conversation because a lot of this comes from the. I was. I looked at. I looked it up online. I couldn't find a lot about his sister, mm-hmm. and I think the author probably had an agreement, probably to not heavily feature what yeah. was going on with the sister at some point. Probably because everybody that was associated with Anders Breivik wants nothing to do with him yeah. now, obviously. No. Yeah. And so it's because like the sister didn't ask for this. No. But there uh, all this is also probably one of those fucked up things where like a lot of times the problem child of the family sucks up all the psychological resources of the family and then the poor other kids kind of get left just on the their side. own raising themselves. Which, yeah. uh, with the Natalia Grace case, you kind of kind of see that where you're like, those other kids kind of just rotted on the vine, unfortunately, because all of this malicious attention went to Natalia. Where like this was like, I mean, it was just 
I, I hate the word toxic, but it's toxic. Yeah. But just a couple years later, something interesting happened to the Brevik family. When Anders was seven years old, a Chilean family seeking asylum from the brutal Pinochet regime moved into the apartment below. Now, while one might think that this is the origin story of Brevik's later hatred of immigrants and refugees, that one of the Chileans bullied him or made him feel inadequate, the exact opposite occurred. The young Anders became close friends with the Chilean family's youngest daughter, Eva, and the two of them would play together, listen to pop music from America, Madonna, Prince, all that shit. Really, it was Brevik's Norwegian peers that found him disgusting. I actually think that that's a feature, not a bug with these types of haters. Because I think that they, like, how do you put it? Like, they did embrace him. He was viewed himself as a fringe person, an outsider, always. He's the an ultimate outsider in, in his own mind. And so he commiserated with these other outsider groups and wanted to be a part of them. And was, as we'll see, he fucking blew it up each time. He was bad at it. And I think there's something about that there, there, there's almost like a, a revenge. There's like a subconscious revenge against these people that were the only people to open their arms to him. Mm-hmm. Like all these places he went, all these other like quote unquote like refugees, like literal refugees, open their like homes to him and 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 like connected with him. And there's something about after the fact of because he's a total homicidal maniac, like. It's like killing that guy, too. Mm-hmm. Is that yes. when he becomes Anders Breivik, manifesto, Knight Templar, Anders Breivik, it's essential, it's it's killing old him yeah. as well, which is connected to all of these people, the very people that, uh, you know, that were only, the only people that were nice to him. Yeah. And he wants to fit in so bad. I think it's closer to that. that he's empty. He just, yeah. he wants to impress the, Nor- like, he wants the approval of the Norwegians. It's like he's protecting the Norwegians, even though they hate him. Yes. That's yeah. what he wants to be. He wants, that's what he wants, that's who he wants to be. That's where he wants to belong. Yeah, he's ready to ditch these other people whenever. Well, yeah. we'll, just, we'll as we'll see, yeah. we're going to go through a lot of this because mm-hmm. he does it again and again and again. Well, his fellow countrymen later recalled an intense child who had an imagination not for play, but for cruelty to towards animals. In one case, Brevik kept rats in a cage just so he could poke them with pins, and he would bizarrely catch bumblebees just to drown them. Fairly stereotypical serial killer behavior. Mm -hmm. Yes. And while there are no specific stories, pet owners would warn their kids to keep their dogs and cats away from the Brevik boy. In addition to animal cruelty, though, Brevik began making himself an all-around public nuisance. He's like Stephen Urkel if Stephen Urkel was serious. <laughs> he'd wander through neighborhoods, snapping the heads off flowers. He'd throw rocks into open windows, and he'd urinate into mailboxes and on doormats. As he got older, though, his main targets were the mentally challenged and any kid who didn't speak Norwegian. Again, anybody lower on the rung. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. So they can go because, you know, you always find it. What did LBJ said? If you could teach the lowest white man to hate the or put somebody else below him, then you have them in your pocket. It's yep. kind of like that. Did LBJ say that? I believe that is what LBJ said. All right. I, I, I might be wrong. I don't know. I'm just wondering. He said all kinds of awful things. <laughs> Huge cop. He's definitely wiping his ass when he said it. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> in the worst example, Brevik attacked a boy from Eritrea, rolled him up in an old rug, and jumped up and down on the kid. Who's a burrito? You're a burrito. <laughs> oh my God. Man, Eritrea, Eritrea, it, it's, it's fucking horrible. Eritrea is, gets, it gets bad out there. Yeah, it is a, it is a very scary, scary place. And like, really? Yeah, and this kid had to fucking deal with him when he got there. Yeah. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's so bad for him. He finally got out. 
and, and then, then you and then, then you, you meet Anders with- Braden. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but interestingly, if he was caught and scolded by a woman, he'd take revenge with the aforementioned urination. But if he was reprimanded by a man, he'd show respect and seize his delinquent behavior. It's a male box, not a female box. Thank you. <laughs> but you know, it's again. I feel like that's why he's. That's my implication. It's like. He puts it under this idea of like a patriarchy that he respects men, mm-hmm. but I think it's just because he doesn't, he likes them a lot. Oh, you think it's because he's gay that, no, I don't think it's because he's gay that I he think that, does yeah, what men say. I think it's a projection of this, of like the uber men, like mm-hmm. people that are misogynist, evil, like, you know, yeah. like yeah. Andrew Tate style. Like, there's oh, a thing certainly, that, I think it's just because he's a misogynist. Yes, but yeah. I think that in my mind, like, I, I like I know that's common. It's not that just homophobia means that you're gay on the inside and you don't want to tell every tell anybody, but there's just something to it. Like the idea of respecting a man so much, like the body and ideals and and like all that stuff of a ma- of what a man to men and they and they fight, they grapple and they wash each other in a stream and, and they go to war together and they they cold each other for warmth in the cold. And there's something about that that it seems a little Cuddly. I think he's just a fucking pussy. <laughs> yes, of course. Yes. You know, like, he is yeah. like scared of men. I think if he loves anyone, it's himself. Oh, yeah. absolutely. He's oh. an utter narcissist. You know, yes. I don't think he's like actually like turned on by anybody, it seems like. He might yeah. not be. When it came to role models, though, Anders chose the oversized Fantastic Four villain Galactus, Gallon of Ta himself. Oh! Whose trademark was consuming whole worlds for nourishment. That yeah. was Galactus's whole thing. That's he chose thing. Galactus the world eater. Yeah, he's a hungry guy. Mm. But, <laughs> Play going to be played very bravely in the new movie by Melissa McCarthy. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, when the moon hits your eye, it is a pizza pie. Yeah, <laughs> that's Galactus. <laughs> in particular, though, Anders loved Morg the Executioner, who took over as the herald of Galactus after the Silver Surfer decided he could no longer do the job. As a result, Anders took the nickname of Morg when he actually began making friends in his early teens. Again, very interestingly, Brevik's crew was mostly made up of immigrant kids, including a Pakistani refugee named Ahmed, whom Anders was quite close with. See, when Oslo had a large influx of Pakistani refugees in the early 90s, Anders bullied Ahmed in particular until Ahmed fought back. After that, the two became friends. Before long, almost all of Anders' friends were immigrant kids. Yeah, he had friends for yes. a very short period of time. I mean, he had kids that followed him because they needed someone to talk to. I, I believe that they <laughs> did bunch up. Because, like, I, as a nerd, I, I feel like there needs, obviously, I think that I need to remove nerd from Anders Breivik because I think it's an insult to nerds. Yeah, I think no, he nerds, didn't study shit. He yeah. did. Unfortunately, <laughs> he did. Yeah. Uh, but it's it, there's something past nerd. But I know as as a nerd, as a child, the, the nerds did group for protection in a way. But like we were fun, you know what I mean? Like I had fun with all my nerd crew. Eventually, yes, we were forced into a coalition. But then we did enjoy the coalition when we got there because like it wasn't just. Nerds. It was always like it was like me. It was a couple of kids who didn't speak English very well. You know, like a couple of kids that now you probably would say probably had autism. You have like another kids like now it's like you know I was in that collective and it was fun. Yeah, you know. I mean, we were the only. That's the only one we could be with. Sure, but it was nice. I mean, Anders was actually in the social strata above that. He did. Yeah. Now, at the high school that Anders and his friends attended, they had four cliques that every kid supposedly fit into. The majority were, of course, the so-called straights, just regular kids in polo shirts. Just 
fucking normal Norwegian. Or we yeah. call them what a uh, preppies. Preppies, yeah. After that, you had the shaved heads, the ones who wore camouflage pants and black boots, sometimes flirted with neo-Nazi beliefs while listening to metal. And you always flirt with neo-Nazi beliefs. <laughs> you know what I mean? There's always that. It's always a flirt. I don't know why. Okay. Why is it always that? A flirting with... turn it on. Yeah. You know? yeah. Ooh, okay. Mm. Nice uniform. <laughs> is that boss? Now, <laughs> <laughs> concerning metal, remember that this was Oslo in the early 90s, meaning that Brevik quite possibly was going to high school with some of the members of the Norwegian black metal scene that we covered so many years ago. The church burners, we, the murderers. We need to get some kind of like high school of shitheads Norway cartoon where you have like <laughs> Bard Vikernes and Euronymous, like all these guys like hanging out in one like, like it's. Black metal babies. Does yeah. Everyone else think that that church looks very flammable? Ooh, <laughs> yeah. Brevik was also in high school during the murder of Oystein Arseth, a.k.a. Euronymous, who died at the hands of the highly racist musician Varg Vikernes. Interestingly, when Brevik sent out his 1,500-page manifesto years later, one of the recipients was who else but Varg who had recently been released from prison. And he definitely was like, too long, didn't read. <laughs> he, he released a statement. He's like, I don't like uh, this uh, Anders Breivik. He's kind of stupid. I think he's stupid. Anders Breivik couldn't even get Varg Vikernes to like him. <laughs> Can you imagine that? Varg Vikernes is more likable than you. Varg's stupid fucking YouTube account. He, Let's find out. Let's find out. <laughs> and then, um, but, oh, whoo. Yeah. Pisses me off. I hate this fucking guy. I hate him. I hate him. I hate him. I hate him. I hate him so much. But back in 1992, Anders Brevik was not one of the metal kids, nor was he a neo-Nazi. Instead, Anders was deep into the hip hop scene. Yeah. Which was one and he was one of the few white kids at his school to be a part of it. Yeah, man. He got full on into rap. Yeah. Hip hop. I mean, rap was huge in Europe. Like it got bigger there. It was bigger there than it was here for a long time. I've seen lots of racist people love hip hop. It's really weird. <laughs> but Anders, it always blows my mind every me too, time. Man. It's very interesting. But Anders Bravik went full on, like, you know, like he was like what they call it the rolling walk of the urban artist. You know, like, <laughs> doing that thing, where he would like walk like a black guy dress like a black guy do the whole thing like listen to big cans and shit like mm -hmm. big pants yeah what was even weirder is he actually had good taste i mean it's 1992 you know yeah. the chronic doesn't come out until december of 1992 so at this point it's mostly new york guys and of course he was listening to in 1992 krs1 dj marley mall probably eric b and rakim yeah. like fucking classics but as a result of being into rap, Anders and his other friends got into hip hop culture. They would try to break dance. God, they would try to rap themselves. I uh, just got would, it. I would this is why all right, usually I hate social media and so happy it didn't exist when we were kids. But it would have been great to see these little fucks <laughs> oh, like, yeah, fall dude. on their heads. Oh, and yeah, 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 yeah. They try to think well, they were cool. Think about this is the level of nerdery where they broke it down, where Anders Breivik broke it down. It's like, so it's hip. And ut hop, right? <laughs> so hip means I'm keeping up with all of the local shenanigans and all of the different vernaculars. And so, like, he would do use he would use yeah. Pakistani words and stuff like that. He yeah. throws some like what they called slang. It's just slang, slang. yeah, just Pakistani slang. We can do, but then there's also hop, where you <laughs> learn how to move your body in a synchronized fashion in the most funky way. It's kind of like it's like you go like boom, boom. Boom, boom, boom. And your, your shoulders go up and down. But my problem is I'm mostly just shrugging. And sometimes it feels as if my it feels as if my shoulders are getting attached to my earlobes. And I just simply cannot and I start to cry. 
I cannot do this. The base is too much. So now hop is when I skin a rabbit. Yeah. Oof, unhop. No, like he couldn't break dance. He couldn't do the head spin, couldn't do the back. He couldn't do any of the spins. No, it's because his yeah. head's the shape of a fucking pin. <laughs> and his voice was too high and soft to emulate the Bronx rappers that he somehow felt had similar life experience to his own. A hip, a hip, a hip, a deer, hop, and you don't stop rocking to the ricks. Come rocking. Is that what it is? <laughs> I, there's so many words in Fast Session, and I don't know how they understand them all and they memorize them. There were some European like rap guys out around that time. Yeah, there's Stinkerstein, and you had <laughs> fucking, yeah, Ronnie the, Ronnie the Herring. Was and, Snow American? Uh, I Canadian. Don't, he was Canadian. Oh, yeah. Thank God. I didn't want to claim him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> now, there was some fun stuff, like, we are going on a summer holiday if you want to go to swim. We go into London and New York City and we bring a little piece of Amsterdam. Yeah, what is this? Yeah, <laughs> I understand. <laughs> it was European rap. Yeah, yeah. it sounds like a, a poem. It sounds like a, yeah, it's not good. <laughs> they weren't really that great. Well, that I look back on it, yeah. Now that I say <laughs> no, it's it out not loud, good. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, no. ring a ring dong to a holiday. That's what, what we brung. That's not what we did. All right, no. America did make things much cooler in that fashion. Oh, yeah. Well, we invented it. Yes. Yeah. America did. Well, bereft of talent and body or voice, Anders and his friends formed a tagging crew going by the names of Spock, Wick, and Morg after the executioner. From there, the crew haunted the city of Oslo by night, tagging buildings and bus stops. But in 1994, the Winter Olympics were coming to Lillehammer, so the city of Oslo cracked down on graffiti. So Anders and his friend Ahmed were arrested while tagging a bus station. But since they had no priors, they only had to wash buses for a couple of weeks as punishment. That was, however, strike one. It's it's really weird about how seriously they took graffiti as a crime. They well, were the really whole world's coming. You got to make the place look good. It's Lily it. Hammer. No one's <laughs> the stupid fucking Olympics. Who cares? They're focused on the graffiti. How are they going to bobsled? Like they need to be dialed into the game. I feel like that helps. It shows how strong your mental game is. There's nothing else for the cops to do. Yeah, it's relatively safe. It's oh, yeah, not it's like the Bronx at this time. Like, this is Oslo, 1992. It's you, fine. You mean tell me Anders Breivik didn't understand? He actually didn't experience the same hardships as the urban centers in America <laughs> during the 1980s and 90s? I mean, washing a bus in the middle of winter has got to be a fucking nightmare. They're yeah. used to it. <laughs> Pretty soon, though, Anders was arrested again. Strike two. And as a result, his father's Jens began to get highly annoyed with his son. And Jens slowly began to go no contact, mostly because he didn't really care about Anders in the first place. And I think he was looking for a reason to disown him. He yeah. hated his son. He hated him. Then, for reasons unknown, Anders did the second worst thing a tagger can do. He painted over not only the tags of another tagger, but the tags of two members of his own crew. Uh, no, this say, guy, he's a true piece of shit. So yeah. this is going to be the running... The main running theme of Anders Breivik's life. So within the graffiti world, I don't know if it's always like this across all of them, but this is what they, the way they contextualized it in Norway, was that they have what they call toys, which is what you're called when you start. So like you're supposed to go put in some FaceTime in these various graffiti groups. You only get invited in, right? So somebody calls, again, it's highly illegal in Norway. So you get pulled into these like kind of cool fringe groups and Largely, you're supposed to show up and work your way up the ranks to king, 
King is the what's considered the number one position in the graffiti tagging community, which is like essentially toys. You're supposed to kind of go to places where it's on your own, places that you can go and you you just write your name, right? You don't you start and then you start to expand. It turns into colored pieces, stuff like that. A king is the one that goes, does the big crazy, what they call go on bombing raids, where they would go into like, you'd see it like up on a big high bridge, or you'd see it on the side of a, a bulletin board, or like, and it's a big thing. And so what they would say is that he decided that he wanted to jump to king, because Anders Breivik believes, and this starts from him as a very young child right here, that he's the best. Nobody, nobody understands that he's the best yet. And as soon as they see that he's the best, all of these communities, well-established, are going to fall to their knees and thank him for being there. Like, And they're going to be like so excited that Anders Breivik is a part of their community. But then he decides to just act like he's in charge. And guess what a lot of people that are already in charge of a well-established like group do and how they react to you acting like you're better than them? They don't like it. Yeah. And uh, you get kicked out. Yeah. Did they beat the shit out of him? No. No, they just kicked him out of the crew. They were like, the, you know. Tuna, if this was a Mary, if this was the Bronx, they yeah. would have fucked his ass up. Exactly. Yeah. This is Norway. Yeah. yeah. And so it is, they were like, we will, we will frown. We <laughs> yeah. will frown. But yeah. He just, a, we're not friends with you anymore. That, yeah. so that's the big thing. Him being a toy and acting like a king is going to be the thing that he does again and again. And again, yeah, it's him playing by his own rules. You know, it's like, oh, everybody needs to bow down to what Anders is doing because Anders is the smartest boy, the best boy out there. And he knows what's best for everyone. And I'm such a a destructive genius that everybody I'm going to blow the parameters open, which is, again, why I'm not on Saturday Night Live. Yeah, (laughs) because I I understood if they let me in there, they're going to have to change the whole thing. It's going to become the Henry Zabrowski Night Live. And I I didn't want to do that to them, which we all appreciate you not destroying an American institution. That's why I walked away. It would have had to have been on Friday if you were on it. They would have to because they'd have to have their own show and yeah. then I'd have my own hour the night before. And yeah. they tried that. It was a show called Fridays and it got canceled. Yes. Uh, yeah. Larry David. Kramer. Great. <laughs> <laughs> well, for this, Anders was kicked out. But when he began tagging alone, he was soon arrested for bringing dozens of cans of spray paint back from Denmark because they were a quarter cheaper in Copenhagen than they were in Oslo. And that's like a backseat driver thing because he was he was telling all these fucking guys. He was like, you don't understand. The spray paint is, is cheaper in Copenhagen. We can go there and get it. And yeah. they're all like. But well, the problem is, is that it makes you super vulnerable, which is how he was arrested both times, is that he would sh- he would go onto the train as a, f- a moron teenager with these giant duffel, heavy duffel bags yeah. filled very obviously, if it's not spray paint, it's explosives. It's just like this big fucking thing. It's just tinkling. And so he was immediately picked up both times because he's a fucking moron. Yeah, yeah, I remember in Tallahassee, they didn't have 40 ounces. So they only had 32 ounces. So we had to drive to Georgia if we wanted to get some 40 ounces. Yeah, exactly. It's Similar. exactly like it's that. It's exactly yeah. like that. That's, what, how we, that's how we lived our lives. <laughs> well, this arrest, though, was strike three for Anders. So to avoid any real jail time, he did the worst thing a tagger can do. He ratted out all his friends. Pretty soon, all anyone could talk about at school was how Morg had squealed, and he got nothing but shit until the day he graduated. As he should have. 
While he spent much of his time isolated and lifting weights, kids ganged up on him, mocked him, and drew caricatures of him with an exaggeratingly large nose. Yeah, because I've never <laughs> seen pictures of his original nose. Because he got a, he got a fucking rhinoplasty uh. like soon afterwards. He did it, but that's the thing is that you can see from pictures taken at his last hearing that his schnoz it's actually growing, it's growing back. back. It's, yeah. yeah, it's rejecting. It's rejecting the change. Yeah. Well, if you look at his picture, yeah, he did sort of have a large nose. But yeah. still, yeah, I mean, yeah, he is a big nose freak. I hate this fucking guy. Yeah. Knock him out. <laughs> I hate that, you know, rhinoplasty is called rhinoplasty. I feel like that's me. No, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like yeah. lipo, it's like calling liposuction. Uh, Fatty sucky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> unwailing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Have you been through your unwailing yet? <laughs> well, Anders, back in his high school years, was savagely, if inexpertly, roasted in his high school yearbook. Oh, Which, he is a fuck him. Fuck him. <laughs> well, I'm not saying that he should. It's inexpertly. The roasts are not the best, yeah. but apparently yearbooks in in Norway are far more aggressive than yearbooks in America. They were allowed to talk shit? Yeah. Oh, well, I no. guess so. That's I amazing. mean, on his, they were. Yeah. It wasn't just people writing in his yearbook. No, it was this like, was like in, in print. This is in print. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they like roasted him. Anders used to be part of the gang, but then he made enemies of everybody. Anders had staked it all out on getting a perfect body, but we have to say he still got quite a way to go. Apart from that, Anders spends a lot of time in Denmark getting materials for his art. Anders often does stupid, unprovoked things, such as hitting the head teacher, which is true because he did smack his teacher as a little kid. Yeah. Um, and, they, and they all remembered it. I, I, there's something about it, being a snitch, obviously, is a quality that nobody likes. But there's something to, because like what he didn't understand, this is like an essential social thing that he, obviously he's got a lot of issues, but I feel like this is one of those like social misunderstandings he doesn't get, which is like how you become a king in the graffiti world is to take your time. What they do in mafia, right? Going to college, yeah. right? Mm. You go to, you take, you do your time. A lot of times that's how guys get made yeah. in the mafia is that you go to jail, you come back out, you don't say anything. Everybody's happy to see you. They set you up. Technically, one of the number one ways to become a king in the graffiti world was to go to jail for your buddies and come out. Because how long would you be in jail for? Six months, maybe. 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 You would come out and you would be... In Norwegian jail. Yes. Yeah. Which is like the essentially... The best jail in the world. They give you like pasta making classes. <laughs> you go on a trampoline recess. Like there's a lot of shit in the Norwegian they jail. They send you all your reading from school. Yeah, yeah. you go to school. He would have come out a king. Yeah. It's very ironic. He's a moron. Yep, he really is. Well, the piece then ended, the piece in the yearbook then ended by saying that Anders was now a part of the much maligned fourth clique in school, the losers. Oh, yeah. Then, to add insult to injury, Jens Brevik disowned his son because of his third arrest, and the two never saw each other face-to-face ever again. You never, I never agreed with an absentee father more before. <laughs> He's right. Anders well, sucked. I mean, you could also make an argument that maybe if he wasn't an absentee father and did his job, that maybe Anders would have just become like a guy who ruins people's days on the regular. Yeah. Instead yeah. of like being a guy who like ruined a country for a long, like yeah, I mean, just destroyed the heart of an entire yes. nation. Yeah. 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 yeah, I, yeah maybe. I guess. Yeah. I don't know. I think Anders was special. Yeah. I think that you could see why he was a fucking shithead. You know, I, I, some people just don't need to be on Earth. Yeah. Oh yeah, he should have been in the abortion. That should have been a part of the liberal Norwegian government's incredible female health program. This should have been a result. Great advertisement for abortion. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. 
But perhaps because Brevik graduated high school at the bottom rung of the social ladder and was despised by all, he sought refuge in an arena where he probably thought people had to accept him. At the age of 18, Anders Brevik got into politics. Yay! He joined the youth-focused wing of Norway's ultra-conservative Progress Party, which defined itself through principles of smaller government, less immigration, and a more restrictive welfare state. What is it with right-wing politics? Maybe... (laughs) You know, educate me. Why why all the losers go there? <laughs> like, it is very interesting. I guess it's because, like, you get rejected from so many other groups that you just assume, like, well, fascists have to like me. No, yeah. Well, I mean, because at the end of the day, a lot of the people migrate towards the right wing because uh, they that's where they're told that it's not their fault that they're a loser. That oh. it's somebody else's yes. fault it's, that they're a loser. It's, it's, the, it's the state's it's fault. The, it's the system's fault. It's, it's somebody else. Somebody has made you should be a winner, but somebody else has made you a loser. Well, yeah. it's also exactly because then he's going to get his validation of like, you know, Technically, I'm a white Norwegian man. The whole world should, every door here should be open for me. And I should have a much easier time of doing anything than somebody that's from outside this country. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone hates him and he wants to be in charge because of it. And it's it's like, I feel like if you're going to become a politician, signatures of like 20 people saying they're your friend. (laughs) I want to see I want to like on Tinder. I want to see a picture of you hanging out with guys. I want to see you at a (laughs) trivia night. I want to see you on a rowing team. I don't care if they're cool. No, not. Just prove to me that anyone likes you. Yeah. I do believe our government should be like a scientist, a philosopher, a singer, a general. And that's you put them all in one room and have them decide everything. Well, Brevik also gave in to his vanity and began declaring himself to be a metrosexual, which is a term our younger listeners may be unfamiliar with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was big in the early 2000s. It was something in which straight men unapologetically paid as much attention to makeup and clothes as a woman or a stereotypically gay man. Yeah, it was continuing to sort of make fun of people who take care of themselves. Mm -hmm. But metrosexuality was different for him because he really put he went a deep in yep started wearing makeup bought really nice clothes he would use rogaine for his rapidly receding hairline he and, lost that battle yeah, yeah rogaine is also like i tried it for a while and it's so it's gross sticky goop right yeah it's Doesn't just it make a liquid you just feel bad too well it's liquid that goes on your head no it didn't make it's me feel ma- bad it makes you feel bad because you're doing it. yeah oh, well it yeah. stained yeah. my hats and yeah. stained the pillowcases and it also like abort- immediately sterilizes a woman yeah, if she it touches it babies yeah. yeah yeah which honestly the best part about it yeah um but the the, the rest of it's bad but, but it was like he put on concealer now these guys like in norway even the guys he was hanging out with like it feels like there is a real machismo streak in some of these Scandinavian countries. Sure. Yeah. And he's putting on full makeup like he's fucking John Stamos. Like he is hanging out like, and they zero in on this. And of course, it's very even like, it is not makeup. It is concealer. I which am is naturally like, tan. I am naturally tan. Because he used to put bronzing powder every winter. He used to bronze oh. himself up like one of our favorite presidents. Mm. He was like always like he was right ahead of the right ahead of the curve. And finally, he topped it off by getting cosmetic surgery on his nose, chin, and forehead, which created the unsettling, expressionless potato face that we've come to know over the years. He's absolutely a potato face. I mean, yeah. more like upside down squash. Yeah, also, I can maybe see that kind too. of thing. Yeah. But I can tell. 
albino peanut. Yeah. <laughs> definitely a vegetable. A tuber. He's a tuber. Some, he's yeah. definitely a tuber. All those surgeries, man. You can't make chicken salad out of chicken shit. You know <laughs> what I'm saying? But you yeah. can make chicken shit salad. Dude looks like his own dick pic. He does. <laughs> he does look like the yeah, he looks like the top of a fucking Scandinavian uncut penis. It's <laughs> like Smee if he worked out. Yeah. <laughs> No, hot bodied Smee is actually, I could see that popping up on Tumblr. That could be your thing. That That's could, really could that be, be your thing. That could be your thing. Yeah. <laughs> from your grave. Now, at first, Brevik seemed to be successful in his reinvention. He became a popular member of the Progress Party. He learned how to smile. And in the work <laughs> realm. <laughs> 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 And in, the, <laughs> and in the work realm, he became a relatively successful telemarketer. But eventually, Brevik's trademark overconfidence in his own abilities tripped him up. He left his steady telemarketing gig to try his hand at a number of unsuccessful business ventures, including a mobile advertising business that nearly killed someone. He, it's so, again, it's, it, it's this example of, I don't know how to put it. He's a toy acting like a king. Every single time he enters into a new sphere, it kind of works for a second. Yeah, it always, it every time he arrives somewhere, everyone's like, yeah, Anders, he's all right. Like, I, I like that guy. And but then that's it just, the mess. and then it falls apart. And hours later. And yeah, <laughs> literally. And then he joins in these businesses and he becomes obsessed with becoming a millionaire. Like, that's his new thing. Is that like, because that's why he's in the progress party ostensibly to begin with, which is this idea of, it's a, that's where, because it, it starts light. Because at first he's kind of apologetic. He says stuff like, or conciliatory. We're like, you know, not everyone in Islam is bad. Not every refugee is bad. They are just, they, they have, but there's side effects to their religion and what they do, right? That's one side. And then the other side was like, it was really more so, oh, in Norway, they hate millionaires. They don't want us to make money like they do in America. Because he looked up to American conservative writers and this concept of unfettered capitalism. He was just like, we should be able to get, be, we should be able to be allowed to be super rich in this country. They get free college. They, they do. That's the whole point. That's why it worked out. Also, there's plenty of rich people in Norway. It's very expensive. Yeah. But then he like, showed, like, but there's again, there's something about this. It was like, you can't just be good in business. He has to quote unquote outsmart everybody. Yeah. yeah. Everything has, he has to undercut people. Every single thing has to be like a scheme and a, and a, and a fucking heist. It, mm -hmm. I, I don't get it where it's like, you can get rich quick. It's all get rich quick. It's all get rich quick. He's just obsessed with this, like wanting to cut line. And I think that's a part of this a concept of like, I should be able to cut line. I am a quote unquote straight white Norwegian man. Well, not only that, like I should, not only should I be, I should be able to, but I deserve to. Cause I'm like, a genius yeah, yeah. and nobody understands. I'm that. the one that's supposed to be able to cut the line. In fact, the line shouldn't exist for me at all. Yes. Yeah. And that's, again, that's why I'm not on this. I never wrote for the Simpsons. Yeah. Cause I never wanted to get in there and I didn't want to disrupt that. They've been working for decades in there and I don't want to get in cause they want to become the Henry Zabrowski. Yeah. At the end of it, <laughs> which is why I don't want to do this to people. I don't put that on people. Now I don't like to backtrack at all, but can I ask a question? Sure. Um, how did his advertising company almost kill somebody? That makes no sense to I was me. about to get into that. Okay, good. Yeah. <laughs> he planned to take unemployed academics and make them cycle around the city with an advertisement placard fixed to a trailer. It's not unlike a scheme Kramer and Newman tried in an episode of Seinfeld. It's very, it's very Seinfeld. <laughs> Brevik's prototype, however, was badly built, and the advertising placard blew over on the first day and almost killed a woman. Oh, geez. This huge, gigantic placard just probably, yeah, you man. know, in the Norwegian fucking winter. Bah! Fucking 
moron. And he did it cheap. He also did a thing. It was also pointed because he specifically wanted academics to do it because he already had this sort of like implicit bitterness and anger towards people that did more things than him mm-hmm. or have achieved more things than him. And he was always being like, you know, it was good for these academics to have a day job to work on. It was like a weird thing where you're like, oh, you're trying to punish mm-hmm. quote unquote smart guys with a menial job. But speaking of women, Anders had, not surprisingly, no luck with the ladies. Like many men who haunt the extreme right fringes, Brevik complained that Norwegian women were too liberated and none of them would make the good housewife that Brevik wanted. So he went the way of the mail order bride and purchased contact details for 10 Ukrainian women in December of 2004. Which is boys obviously made the living fuck fun out of him. They they roasted him to the yeah. end, endlessly because they're like, Norwegian women are everywhere. Like you're literally going <laughs> to yeah. be with one at any point, you know, like and he was like because he was young. Yeah, he was yeah. like 18, 19 when he was doing this. And they're like famously the hottest. Yeah, Norwegian women. Yeah, the Scandinavian the, women. Yeah, the Swedish bikini team. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> it's so cold. Why would they have it there? I don't know. You know, they, they grow them strong. <laughs> By 2005, Anders had settled on the most stereotypical Eastern European mail-order bride possible, a woman from Minsk named Natasha. She was real. She did exist. And even though there was an initial spark, the couple soon hit the 90-day fiancé problem, which is that they got to know each other beyond infantile communications on messenger programs. Yeah. After Natasha visited Anders in Oslo for an extended period, she was soon calling him a chauvinist. And he was calling her a gold digger. I bet you they didn't even kiss. Maybe not. I I I feel like he's maybe done four kisses yeah. in his life. Oh, maybe. Yeah. And there were three of them were his mother. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the other was the weekend parents. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this one time. This one, one time. time. <laughs> so what so he was did he have money? Yeah, he had he well, was fairly successful. Vanka, his mom, his mom had money or No, like, no, no, no. He didn't grow up rich or anything. No, like no, no. Oh, he okay. grew up well, that was one of the things. He grew up in a fancy neighborhood because his diplomat father kind of paid for things, but they had no money. So yeah. he always kind of felt like the an slums other. of Beverly Hills. Yes. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Well, soon after Anders bought Natasha her plane ticket home, and Brevik thought that his dreams of love were through. I'm never gonna be with a woman ever. But as he invested more time into the progress party, he fell in love with a fellow conservative named Lena Langemeyer. I still will say love. I would not call it love. I would say he viewed, I don't think he experienced as a human emotion. I think that he... Tolerance. Uh, so I think that he viewed uh, her as useful to him. Mm. You, like we can be good partners We're together. We're good partners yeah. because, again, because she was a... Also very interesting because she was a dark-skinned woman from outside who was a, a, a conservative. Well, in the years since high school, Anders Brevik had cultivated a strong hatred for Islam, although it's hard to really pinpoint the exact reason behind his Islamophobia, especially when you consider that his first real friends were Muslim immigrants. It's, it's in the manifesto, technically, mm-hmm. where it talks about how, like, if a family from Norway in the 1950s visited now, it's all the same things you see on Fox News. Well, it's also abstract. Yes, it's like, all, it's because it's fake. It's made up. It's right yeah. before the recipe for chocolate chip cookies. Yes. <laughs> Honestly, because I didn't need the 1,000 pages before that. And that has been my criticism about recipe websites from the very beginning. <laughs> now, as we said earlier, Anders Brevik was a racist child, which almost always stems from racism at home. 
But while he seemed to get over it, or at least hide it in high school, it may have come raging back after he was kicked out of his crew, which was made up of immigrants. This hatred might have been amplified after he ratted out his immigrant friends, because it was for this reason that Brevik was thoroughly shunned. But from what it seems, his Islamophobia was solidified during his relationship with Lena Langemeyer and his time with the Progress Party. That's what it is. Lena Langemeyer did grow up in Norway, and that's why he did have... Uh, he he liked her, mm-hmm. right? The idea that because she was dark-skinned, um, but she is an ardent conservative to this day yeah, um, and has severely downplayed her relationship with Anders Breivik up to this point. But they definitely were like boyfriend and girlfriend for like a year, mm-hmm. whatever they were. She's the only person that's had a relationship with him, it seems like. Basically. But she seems, yeah, she doesn't advertise it a lot. No. She's no. the mayor of Grimstadt. You mean she doesn't bring that up? Is she really a mayor? Yeah. What? Deputy mayor. The deputy mayor. That's hey, that's for Anders Bra. Anybody who's seen Anders Breivik's penis on <laughs> purpose, debatable. Yeah, I mean, debatable. Yeah, who knows? Yeah, I'm just saying, saw. Yeah, if he would washed once. Yeah. <laughs> See, the Progress Party was a deeply Islamophobic organization, and Lena Langemeyer was among the most ardent racists in an already racist organization. Together, Lena and Anders formed an echo chamber in which Lena would rant about Muslims and Anders would lecture her on what else but Ayn Rand novels. Uh, on top of everything else, he's a fucking Ayn Rand fan. <laughs> it's just this shit, too, of like... Well, they're just the most tedious, infuriating couple on Earth. Like, you yeah. couldn't imagine being stuck on a fucking double date with these people. What is with... Like, I understand. I, I do know... I'm, I can't even say this anymore. I know that technically politics are, like, supposed to be, like, interesting. Right? Like, and people are, <laughs> people are, are supposed to hang out and it's supposed to be like... this. But I've never understood this sort of, like... So you guys hang out. All you do all day long is talk about how there are too many Islamic people in the country. That is literally how you guys hang out. And you talk about conservative politics and and conservative screeds and you read all these like dumb shit, long form political garbage manifestos that you're just into. And it's just like, why? Because they finally found a person that kind of agrees with them. I know, but then they, yeah, and then it's just like. Because no one else wants to fucking hear it. I know, everybody else, because they would say, they would let Anders Braver, like his friends at the time would let him drone on about his conservative politics, but eventually at some point they're just like, just shut up, dude. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Stop talking Shut the living fuck up. And at the end of the day, there were a lot of female Nazis. There was. There were a lot of female Nazis. Because they're all pick me Nazis. Mm -hmm. They're literally in their idea of like you, because now you're, I'm special. I get to be, I get to go right to the top of the class. Yeah. Yeah. They get together. Like they just, they get together. People get together and talk about shit, no matter how fucking awful it is. You're going to find somebody out there who's into it. Oh no, I downloaded, I was at the Rated R Speakeasy last night in Glendale and I gave someone a lot of information about Anders Breivik. And I talked about <laughs> Anders Breivik and I talked about Richard Ramirez and the cult he was forming from behind bars and I got a long thing about John Wayne Gacy's father and then I realized I was talking and they were just looking. You know, and then it was just me talking and I was just like, oh, we should go. There's like a sexy circus woman here. We should go look at that. Yeah. Well, pretty soon, Anders and Lena gained membership at the Oslo Pistol Club. And while Lena was already a pretty good shot from her time in the military, mandatory in Norway, Anders had to start from scratch because this portrait of patriotism had never even served. 
See, Anders had been ruled exempt from military service because he'd been registered as his mother's caregiver after she'd supposedly contracted such a serious case of genital herpes that a drain had to be inserted into her head to suck out the pus. Think ah! about this. Ah! He couldn't go serve in his beloved Norwegian military. He couldn't go. Yeah. Because he had to go and drain his mother's fuck source. (laughs) That is the ultimate. From her head. From her head. They had traveled. They had jumped (laughs) from her vagina up to her face. And he he couldn't go to war because those fuck sores were so full. It had to be trained by her son. Oh, man. But predictably, the romantic feelings between Anders and Lena began to cool after Lena was tapped as a possible candidate for office by the Progress Party, while Anders didn't even make the list. That whole story is very interesting, too, because, like, it was very much like she kind of liked them. Mm-hmm. And he worshipped her or believed he worshipped her. And then she was immediately like a superstar, like yeah. immediately a political superstar. And the writing on the wall was like, they wouldn't even look at his application. She showed up like every day in these suits. And he wrote this like big, obviously, as we can see, quite prolific personal essay. And then he, they were literally like, they wouldn't even read it. Yeah. Like, they, like, again, he just thought that everyone was going to just flip out. They mm. were like, this is like, he's going to be the new White nationalist Barack Obama. And like, and he just wasn't. Yeah. I mean, by this point, Anders had begun his slow descent into the internet. While Lena knew how to be a politician by networking, getting to know the right people, playing the game, Anders spent most of his time on the Progress Party online forums, arguing with people and posts peppered with emojis and exclamation points. As a result, he was never considered to be a serious member of the party. And when he was passed over, he went again to the message boards to complain that those who gained power were not the most competent people, people like him, like him, but the ones who were the best at networking, people like Lena. But at first, he was writing about how he was doing the, well, you see, to be a politician, you must have public skills, policy skills. Lecturing a bunch of people on a bunch on a bunch of shit he has no idea what in the living fuck he's talking about. But just remember on online you, forums. Remember when you read something in an <laughs> online forum? Who writes it sometimes? Yeah. And so, like, yeah. but, so, but as soon as he's passed over, of course, these fucking idiots they don't understand. So before he's talking all confident and telling everybody the skills you need to have, and then when he doesn't have the skills that you need to have, it's all like that's fucking stupid. <laughs> it's fucking stupid. <laughs> Well, by the summer of 2003, Anders posted for the last time on the Progress Party message boards to write that there was going to be a civil war once Muslims were the majority in Norway. Where have we heard that? He soon after abandoned the party, broke up with Lena, and became even more isolated. He didn't even try twice. Mm -mm. That's the thing, is that like... you never tried anything twice. You gotta put your, like, I just want to remind that to people all the time, because we do have frustrated people. I have people message me all the time wanting to get into stuff, wanting to do the entertainment business or getting into podcasting and stuff, and it's like, unfortunately, you have to keep showing up until someone tells you to leave. Like, that's the thing. You have to keep showing up. You have to keep trying. You have to apply again. You have to look, read, judge what you've done, Pivot and do something else. Work on it. Yeah, Yeah. you got to work on it. You can't just keep applying and banging your head and doing the same thing over and over and over again. You got to fucking work on it and then try again. Nobody's going to roll out a red carpet for you unless you were Dakota Johnson. Yeah, you're you're, not going to do it. You're Eddie Murphy or it takes a decade. It's it. That's how it is. Yeah. Yeah. 
But before, and Br- you're not Eddie Murphy. No, 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 no. <laughs> you're like, no I'm sorry. Yeah, if yeah, you're yeah. listening right now, you're not Eddie Murphy. Uh, yeah, none yeah, of yeah, us yeah. are. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because you'd be too busy. You'd be extremely busy. But before Brevik disappeared entirely up his own ass, he gave one more shot at a get-rich-quick scheme that actually worked, although it was entirely unethical and entirely internet-based. In the fall before he quit the Progress Party, Anders Brevik created a service called Diplomaservices.com, which, for the price of $100 or $295 for the deluxe package, one could obtain high-quality fake diplomas from the institute of their choosing. These were, of course, sold as decorative diplomas to avoid charges of fraud. And he acted like he was so fucking clever thinking of this decorative diplomas thing. He made a lot of money doing it. But yeah. it, it did run out fast because legitimately... After like five years. But in America, they were already declaring this illegal yeah. and coming for him. They yeah. already... He was like... It was quick. He spent a lot of that time oh my God. being you, pursued. You try and steal money from universities? Yeah, they figured <laughs> out. <laughs> That's who they sent to kill fucking Jeffrey Epstein. That's who it was. It's Harvard. Yeah, hired by Harvard. Using a young man in Indonesia that Anders paid $700 a month, the service could provide diplomas for medical schools, doctorates, engineering qualifications, and prize certificates. And he made hundreds of these a month and made a lot of money doing it. I bet people still have jobs from this shit. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, because ostensibly the, it's supposed to be you if you lost your employment or your diploma in a move or it got destroyed, that's like what you're supposed to do. You get it replaced by one of these services, which is I don't think that's the You call the college. Just say, print me a fucking copy. Yeah. But they, he would say that as long long as they didn't put the official stamp on the diploma, then it was fine. It was just, it was for novelty purposes only. But after three years, the orders for fake diplomas became too much for Brevik's man in Indonesia to handle. So Brevik hired an art student named Mads Madsen to double check the work and fix the numerous mistakes the man in Indonesia was making. Shit was going out with like Harvard. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, not, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> of course. <laughs> Yule. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you went to Christmas University? <laughs> Chicken bells, baby. But in the summer of 2005, Madsen got bored and quit. And it's assumed that Brevik shut down his website soon after because the Justice Department was investigating the legality of fake diploma mills. But while Brevik had given up on making headway in politics, he still wanted power. And it just so happened that his mother's second cousin, Jan Bering, was a member of of the Freemasons. Well, he had some idea. A very, you know, an antiquated idea of the Freemasons. Yeah. Because it's like, we view it as, like, you know, obviously in my mind, I'm like, with the Illuminati and shit like that. But let's say that the Freemasonry, like, stature has lowered mm. since the beginnings of the Bavarian Illuminati. Yeah, since Prescott <laughs> Bush, it's gone down a bit. It's where old yeah. men go to pray and blow each other. And so he <laughs> was thinking in his head, the Freemasons are going to get me into the circles of the elite. Yeah, the se- super secret places where the white men truly rule. Yes. He was probably just in it for the spankings. <laughs> well, he didn't know that they were spankings because you don't know. And most of the time you're getting blindfolded. You don't know spanking. Problem was, Jans and Anders had never met. But that all changed during the Christmas holiday of 2005. But Jans was highly reluctant to sponsor Anders as a member of the Freemasons because, well, Anders was Anders. Eventually, though, Jans did agree to sponsor Anders as a member of the Freemasons. But the master of Jans's lodge told Anders after a tour of their local headquarters that his membership would, quote, take some time. So this is the thing is that, he, but weirdly, though, 
Everybody kind of helped him. He went to his second cousin. He was like, I'll see what I can do. And so then the head of the Freemasons, like, sat him well, down. Well, the head of a local lodge. Yeah, the, yeah. His, yeah, the local lodge where he was trying to go to. Mm-hmm. Like, because normally there's a bunch of processes. You're supposed to have, like, two people vouch for you and then two people from the inside also, like, yeah. you got to your mentor. to join three times before anyone's allowed it's to. It's like a yeah. thing you have to do. But, like, technically... Yeah, it took a long time, but still, he kind of fast-tracked his application because he liked the second cousin. He's like, this is just an example of, like, they. it was another group of people saying, like, okay, we're, we'll, we'll open ourselves to you. This is actually is white privilege. You literally are experiencing it, and then he blew it up. But he didn't get in. I mean, he, it took, like, a year yeah, for which him is, to get in. As natural. it should. Yeah, it's natural. all criminals. But they, the, they got the screen <laughs> as It's a secret society where they have sex yeah. with each other. But he saw that as because he didn't get in immediately. He saw that as being rejected again. And so he retreated again into the internet, where he would find one of the most seductive online escapes in history. A perfect world. A world, the only world that makes sense. Where finally, orcs are cool. <laughs> He isn't. He looks like an orc. He does. He looks so much like an orc. You just Whoa. give him. You just give him the bottom tusks, and yeah. that's a fucking orc. Yeah, man. he's orc from Mork. Man. Just, <laughs> just dipped in glue. Yeah. <laughs> the year was 2006, and just a couple of years before, Blizzard Entertainment had unleashed a pox upon the world called World of Warcraft. Yep. And once Anders fell into the fantasy, it was a long time before he poked his head back out to take a look at the real world. I don't blame video games for anything. No. You know? No, no, no. Video but I, games I'm close <laughs> on this one. I'm a this little one. close. No. I mean, how many fucking horrible people has World of Warcraft kept from, like, running for sheriff? <laughs> it's true. But it's also, it really has ruined a lot of people's lives. It's ruined a lot of people's lives. Yeah, so people, lots of games. I yeah. know, but there's something about the structure. That's what they talk about is that it's the the structure of World of Warcraft. There's so much stuff in there. Like, it's really easy to lose yourself. Yeah, it really is. No, it's it's designed It's designed with the to same. suck you in. To yeah. suck you in, it's it's the same as social media. It's the same. It uses the same sorts of techniques to like bring you back and make but, sure that you're always there. But yeah. I also know that World of Warcraft has created a social environment for a lot of people that sure. wouldn't normally have one. So Which I, is great. I, I'm not besmirching that. I'm just like I'm mostly joking. But still, yeah. you know, I'm, it's Andrew's breath. Well, in World of Warcraft, the most popular massive multiplayer online RPG in history, Brevik played as a human mage under the name Anders Nordic. And he found that the routine of WoW, but World of Warcraft, WoW, kept him busy and calmed him down. Because the thing about WoW is that it does not reward casual players. Yeah, buddy. Yeah. So don't even think about it, Eddie. I don't want to pop in for an hour. Don't no. even fucking, no. <laughs> yeah. No. Because you're not a real gamer <laughs> unless you are there for five or six hours. Now, what is a mage? A uh, mage is a magic user. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's a wizard. But I believe a mage, what's actually the difference between a sorcerer and a mage? Mm. Sorcerers sound cool. I'm not gonna do it. I'm so I'm, I got laid last night. I let knowledge left me. No oh, cool. Oh, <laughs> how cool are you? Got laid last night. <laughs> I went to a speakeasy and got laid. Look at how cool I, I am. I had the now. exact opposite evening that Anders Breivik has ever had. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's Valentine's Day. It's scheduled sex. Yeah. You can't brag about it. Hey, no, we're talking about <laughs> scheduled sex gets derailed all the time, my friend. <laughs> That's true. See, if you really want to get anywhere in World of Warcraft, you have to log in and play every day like it's your job. You also have to team up with other players to go on raids. And if you want to get really serious with it, you got to join a guild of other players who would band together to defeat high-level challenges. 
Now, at first, Anders joined a guild, but he was one of the quiet guys, didn't say much. But he soon became known as an affable, talkative fellow who was known for his cheerfulness. In fact, some players called him a tonic to depression. That was an actual quote. That's how sad they were. Yeah. <laughs> That's how sad they're like, oh, the a wizard is more learned mage. <laughs> <laughs> But in real life, Anders embodied the very spirit of depression. He lived with his mother. He spent 16 to 17 hours a day a playing day. World of Warcraft. God, he's just cooking his balls. Yeah, and rarely left his gaming room, which he himself dubbed the fart room, which, as I said, Norwegian, farts rum. Yes, and that's yeah. the funniest thing he's ever said. Yes. It's really the only is. thing he said that was funny ever. Except I can imagine he said it over and over and over again yeah. until it wasn't yes, funny. Yes, very much It's so. disgusting. Yes. Yeah. Because it probably did smell like farts. And it just, they also talked about the view from his place. Like, they looked out onto the sort of, like, Scandinavian prison yard style, like, housing that he like lived brutal, in. Brutalist architecture. Brutalist architecture. Yeah. And then he just, like, there's just something about it. I, I mean, he probably didn't see shit. If he's in a basement, they got those windows that are. Up oh the no, top he's not in a basement. You just assumed he was in a basement. Oh okay. Yeah, yeah. he's he's in a. It's like on a second floor. But he, I'm not supposed to come after people who live like this because people get upset. But how do you expect to get better or do anything in this life if you're sitting and playing a video game for 15 or 16 hours a day? Like he's like you're an older. He's like in his late 20s. Like yeah. he just like. He rotted himself to death. Yeah. I think 15 hours a month. Well, I don't even like 15 hours a week. I would even say is is like 15 hours a week's great. That's a hobby. And I don't even just. I'd say I play video games sometimes 10 to 15 hours a week. Yeah, people play video even every day. I don't care. I'm not anti video game, but it's just like this concept of like, like, you know, it's, it's not good. No, it's not good at all. Eventually, though. Eventually, though, he earned the title of Justitiarius cool. and became the leader of a guild called Virtue. The Lollipop Guild. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> His guild was called Virtue. Justitiarius, Virtue. These are all like right-wing dog whistles. Yes. Yeah. And he demanded that every guild member be present for mandatory raids every night from 7 to 11 p.m. But finally, in February of 2007, after he'd spent a year in the fart room. A year. Like a solid year yeah. in his room. Anders finally got a letter from the Freemasons telling him that he'd been accepted into the St. John Lodge. Now, Anders, of course, turned off everyone at his first meeting by immediately asking how he could acquire wealth and power and what his responsibilities were as a knight. His, yes. sp- his sponsors, meanwhile, were just there to hang out at the club. And they did not have any interest in answering this off-putting young man's questions. Well, what he did was that he, again, straight to, how do I get to the giant circles of power? Yeah. Like, literally, how do I get to, where's the, where's the fool, like, lord mm-hmm. here? Like, who can I get in? And they're like, this is all about improvement of the self. Yeah. This is all, this is an inward search. And he's just like, yeah, I'm already up my ass, though. <laughs> and so, like, I've already done quite the inward search. But they, like, they're like, no. And then he went through, like, technically... The, the the initiatory ceremony of the Freemasons, if you're a nerd, it's kind of like Scientology or Mormonism, where it's like kind of fun. Yeah. Like you go in, it's a super secret room, they blindfold you, you got to talk to this guy, he's got a cape on and a big hat. Yeah. You go into another place, they, they put you in another room, you ask her these questions three, you do all this kind of shit. And it was like, which actually, like again, for a nerd, you'd, you'd think you'd be like, cool. Yeah. Yeah, I'm yeah. thinking, it's a secret. Mage based, is that it? <laughs> but then um, it turns out, uh, and she was like, Bored by it because yeah. it wasn't World of Warcraft. 
Imagine if he like got in and like climbed the ranks and then he was like initiating people. What a disaster that would have fucking turned into. Or it would have been a direction in his fucking life. He should have tried to become a cop. He goes, no. But he's got like cop attitude. No, I know. No, that's, no, that's, you want, you want, that's the problem is that these guys become cops. You don't yeah. want him to become a cop. I don't want him to become a cop. I'm just trying to think of anything to make him not kill all these people. A chef. <laughs> <laughs> a chef, yeah, because chefs are out of their fucking mind, and yeah. you do and nice things, megalomaniacs. Yeah. yeah, yeah, sure, make him a chef. <laughs> well, after Anders was made a brother of the first degree in the formal ceremony, which bored him, he only attended one more meeting the following year, in which he only complained about how slow it was to move up the ranks. In World of Warcraft, I did it very fast. <laughs> well, because in his mind, World of Warcraft was a perfect society. Yeah, well, it's, I mean, it's, he's just grinding and leveling up yeah. and it's just, there's the just nothing. The only time he worked hard his whole fucking life. It's not even working hard. No, it's he's not. Just a it's grinder. World of Warcraft. It's not a fucking, I know with some people it is a job, but it's, it's not though. <laughs> it's a video game. I'll well, take your word for it. He's, gr- I mean, he's, I, I would imagine he just grind. I would imagine he's the type of player who grinds and grinds and grinds his XP until he gets to a level in which it's very easy. He's to, overpowering. He's overpowering everything. I would imagine that's the type of player he is. Yeah, where he doesn't actually do any skill. It's just repetition until it. It's like people who cheat in PvP, where it's like, what the fuck are you doing? Why are you? It's a one play, one on one. Why are you fucking using your bullshit on me when I'm trying to go in and have fun, and you're just coming in and cheating all the fucking time? What's the point? It's Elden Ring. It's supposed to be fun. So Marcus, you've played it's me, Carolina. <laughs> I hear you yelling again. No, Carol, Carolina is sitting right next to me on the couch. She's doing her crosswords. I'm playing Elden she's Ring. Just, it's a wonderful way to fucking live life. But I do think she's putting the noise canceling on just because it's like. He likes to yell at why his do you, men. Why are you so intent on portraying Carolina as this poor put upon woman? Because I, she loves me. Kind of cutty. But around that same time, as it always happens with Anders, his rejection caused a significant change in attitude. Yes. Because Brevik's... He wasn't even rejected. Well, Brevik's cousin just stopped inviting him to meetings. Yeah, because he was blowing him off. He called in all his fucking Freemason favors to get your ass in the Freemasons. But, but in Anders' mind, he was supposed to be allowed to blow it off. Of course. He, they, he was supposed to be brought in, and then he just eventually stopped getting calls. And where before he was the so-called tonic to depression for his fellow WoW players, he was now rude and aggressive. He was the tonic of depression. Yes. Eventually, he left his guild and joined another. But all they did was make fun of him and make fun of his stupid username, Anders Nordic. Yeah, because he put his name, his real name, and his location it's in his a, internet identity. It's fantasy. It is. Yeah. And you choose anything. <laughs> you could be, yeah, you could be yeah, like Lord Clack or yeah, from Frank's the more creative. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I usually use Borax in my uh, fantasy games. That's fun. Borax? Yeah, Borax is one that I use. Uh, Garonia is usually what Ooh. I use for uh, the female characters. In Baldur's Borax Gate, I was Gak. I remember. Oh, wow. Gak's yeah. pretty good, too. Um, yeah. In Baldur's Gate, I was uh, Fart. <laughs> I remember one named Fart. In, uh, in, what was it? In, uh, in a chess with friends, I was uh, Blow Your Dad 56. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. No, Very that's good. Great. Uh, <laughs> and in this spirit of true competition. <laughs> ah, yes. I always thought it'd be great to beat someone and just be like, yeah, yeah, blew your dad too. <laughs> yeah, Fucking I'm idiot. sucking your father. I'm ruining your family. Yeah, yeah. I'm a man. <laughs> <laughs> But the thing about Brevik's World of Warcraft phase was that it wasn't just a year or two. 
Whether he was the leader of a guild or a follower, this was Brevik's life for five years, from 2006 to 2011. It's really like, it's, yeah, and that way, obviously, it's, we see where it led to. But it's kind of frightening. Like, I have, like... You can just fall into that for five years? Well, it's just longer that, than college. It's just gone. Yeah. It's just gone. Like, he was gone for five years. And then in there, in there, he became a fucking... What he became. Yeah. Now, I had friends that uh, felt like... The big one when I was in college was before World of Warcraft was EverQuest. And I have friends that... It was the first MMORPG. It was before World of Warcraft. And that, yeah, I had friends... I had two or three friends fail out of college because of EverQuest. And just fucking... And then they ended... You know where they ended up? Iraq. What, selling hot dogs? Or... <laughs> <laughs> I think hot dogs are illegal. On tour with the USO? <laughs> <laughs> no. Suffering from PTSD. Oh. Yeah, because I went to college from the years 2001 to 2006. Yeah. Yeah. But that being said, the more social bridges he burned in his fantasy world, the more time he spent on extremist right-wing websites and message boards. Particularly, Anders focused on texts that were obsessed with the so-called Islamization of Europe. This is also known as the Eurabia theory, in which it's said that Muslims are actively working to replace Europeans and European countries with the help of left-wing politicians. Now, is the, isn't it based off of one battle in the Crusades that they use as an example? Like, isn't there was something I remember that we talked about how I, I was reading something. I forget what it's called, but there was one battle where it was the, the basically one of the big tenets in the manifesto is that the Crusades were defensive. Well, the not on the not offensive. Well, Crusades are episode two. Yes, we'll yeah. get to that. Yeah, but, yeah. It's like, but this concept of the, like they use that as the first example of the Muslims have always been trying to take over Europe. Yeah. Well, these ideas were spread through horribly written books and blog posts that rival even the most insane 9-11 conspiracy tomes in terms of incomprehensibility. You never want to read The Most Dangerous Secret. So bad. The Most Dangerous <laughs> Secret. We'll get to you. Oh, you'll see. But that is fucking another one where I'm like, what, my eyes want to fall out of my fucking head. Yeah. It therefore might not come as a surprise that their overly simplified yet still extremely convoluted claims are utter horseshit. But while these right-wing writers are insisting that Europeans are being replaced, Muslims only make up 5% of the entire European population. And that number is expected to rise to 8% what? by, wait for what? it. What? When? 2050. My oh! God! <laughs> That's when they empty the prisons. <laughs> Moreover, Brevik's precious Norway isn't even in the top five for refugees or immigrants. Really, influxes of Islamic immigrants in Europe are a sort of optical illusion because Muslim immigrants, like a lot of immigrant populations, they concentrate in certain cities and certain districts. Or they put them in certain cities and certain districts. Yes. yes. England's population, for example, is 6.3% Muslim. But 37% of those Muslims live in London. Because it's, it's London. Yeah. Therefore, if you go to London, you'll see a fair amount of Muslims. But they by no means make up a countrywide invasion force. Again, we've driven across the UK twice. And I tell you what, it's a lot of white people. Yeah. <laughs> like, I didn't really see a heck of a lot. I felt urban in a lot of places. Yeah. When we were there last uh, last Christmas visiting family, like London, yeah, very diverse. Oxford, very white. Oh, yeah. Not quite so diverse. 
Norway is, of course, very similar. Even today, as of 2023, Muslims make up a paltry 3.3% of the Norwegian population. They're coming for a chance! <laughs> it's less than 200,000 people. Yeah. But 55% of those people live in Oslo and Viken. And Oslo was where Anders Breivik lived. Lastly, it's not like all these Muslims come from some mysterious Muslim land where they all get along. You honestly, Muslim <laughs> land, if you're going to go get the fast pass. <laughs> so difficult to see. <laughs> they come from a variety of countries, cultures, and sects that in some cases fucking despise each other. Yeah, and it's, and these, been, yeah. And and it's these differences yeah. that sometimes cause wars in the Middle East that create the very refugees that are immigrating to European countries. Now, if you could, you were going to do your explanation of the Middle East. <laughs> <laughs> so if you Where could... Where did it go wrong? Bert? What <laughs> happened Was it now? Jesus? <laughs> My thing is, what are we going to do about it? Yeah. Uh, that's episode two. Oh, great. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'll, I'll, Where we wrap it up? We'll wrap it up and I'll I'll really wrap up the whole Middle East thing. In my mind, it's like the Jets, the Sharks, yeah, are like the Shiites, the other guys, <laughs> and then there is uh, somebody else in there, and Muhammad comes in. Well, the point is, there's not a monoculture here. It's yeah. not like all Muslims are the same, and they're all working together in some massive conspiracy to take over Europe. They're there because another Muslim fucking. Started there. it there, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's where that's where they are, or because or. America may have came in and it fucked point. up their country. No, you know? <laughs> restructured from a distance wisely. There may have de there may have been a destabilizing force somewhere in their country that might have fucked everything up for everybody. But the point is, is that it's not a monoculture in any way whatsoever. Really, as one writer put it, the life of a Muslim immigrant in Europe is the fucking same as most people's lives. Work, kids, sleep. Yes. That's yeah. it. 95% of society. Yes. But as far as Anders Breivik and his compatriots were concerned, Muslims were on track to force every white Norwegian to live under Sharia law within a generation or two. This was not only being allowed to happen in their view, but it was actively being encouraged by socialists, Marxists, and somehow feminists. I think it's because they won't date him. Yes, <laughs> that's so. one. But most importantly, when it came to Anders Breivik, he was not rejected by the people he connected with on these sites, like he'd been rejected by his tagging crew, the Progress Party, the Freemasons, and his World of Warcraft guild. Also remember, each one, he did things to reject his fucking self. Yes. So yeah. it's ill again, everyone rejected me, but... You was the one that did all of the shit. Yes. It seems like there's one thing in common with all these fucking things, and it's your fucking ass. It's Anders Breivik, yes. No, he always fucked up his own life. But in this world, he was accepted immediately because Anders Breivik had finally found the place where the dickhead reigned supreme. And the bigger of a dickhead you were, the more popular you became, at least amongst the bottom feeders. Yeah, amongst the bottom yeah. feeders. Yeah, that's on the right-wing extremist blogs and message boards. And so Anders began less time playing World of Warcraft. Instead, he dedicated himself to adding another extremist book to the pile, and that book consumed him completely. Yeah, hate, 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 hate university. <laughs> that book, of course, contained a fair amount of rambling history. A fair amount? How about <laughs> it's, in its, in its entirety? Particularly, Anders Breivik was becoming obsessed with the medieval crusades fighting force known as the Knights Templar. And that's where we'll pick back up next week for Anders Breivik Part two. We are going to get into, it's just going to get real nasty. We're going to, the next couple episodes are like, we're going to obviously go deep into his ideology next week. 
uh, which everyone loves. And then <laughs> we're going to get into some real, like, truly harrowing violence. Uh, his his mass shooting spree was truly horrible. He's fucking one of the worst guys to ever live. And uh, we're going to get real into it. Yeah. Uh, but we're going to have laughs along the way. <laughs> it's just crazy that someone who did, like, one of the most insane evil things of all time can be so boring. Yeah, but that's that is common yeah, <laughs> because these guys common. are all insufferable fucking assholes. Look at the Nazis. Like, yeah. like I the I use it as a direct comparison because of the area of the world and what he believed in. But yeah. you know, they, those guys. You know, Doctor Mengele. We had a hard time with when we were doing Mengele. <laughs> like it was hard to like pinpoint this man. The man himself was a very blasé mm-hmm. kind of empty canvas man. Yeah, because there's an entire interior world with these people. that Because that's the thing. You don't know how much of their interior world is truly consumed by thoughts of violence. Yes. And I think that's where they spend most of their time, is in a world of violence within their own head until it finally breaks out and touches everyone else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he was just by himself the whole time, no one paying attention to him. And that's why the cops did not see it coming. (laughs) (laughs) Stay tuned for more of that. Next week on Last Podcast on the Left. You're going to go and check out our Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash last podcast on the left. And you can see all of our, all of these episodes. You're going to see it in full flesh and blood. See me be pink. See me be chubby. Yeah. Yeah, this, sweaty. Yeah, this red light really brings out your pinks. It really does. <laughs> um, we like a bunch told- of piggy boys here. We really, we really are. We're very, very, a bunch of piglets. Um, but we are told by our young staff to go and check out TikTok. Oh, man, it's a website. Go to at LP on the left. And oh, man, you're going to see so many clips. Yep. It's, it's, <laughs> it's clips. And you'll get to see fun clips. And then those fun clips will take you to our Patreon where you can see the full episodes. Don't see? just live your life by clips. Don't live your life by TikTok, TikTok, little by little. Spend some time. Settle into it. Really get sweaty. Yeah, man. But join the TikTok. Yeah, but join the TikTok. But join the TikTok and then go somewhere else for the sm- the bigger smell. Do you yeah. join a TikTok? Yeah, you do. I don't. Or you follow a TikTok? I have never looked at it, but yeah. I hear ours is fun. Yeah, yeah, it's good. And our Instagram is great too. LP at LP on the left, and be sure to check out LPN TV on Twitch. Twitch.tv slash LPN TV. Yeah, we've got the yeah. good put us back next week. Nice on Thursday. Oh yeah, uh, we're beginning a plot. We'll see a plot. That's nice, like yeah. a burial plot. Yes. Really, you and Jackie? Yes. <laughs> honestly, I would love to purchase a burial plot. I think it'd be fun. Yeah. Are you gonna get buried? I want a tomb. Yeah. You want a tomb? Yeah, I want to be frozen in a tomb. I want to be like Lennon. Oh, no, I'm gonna get buried. Yeah, I want people to pay money to go see me. Yeah, no, I just so I'm always fucking getting them tickets, dog. I'm a tombstone, just free. Yeah, free baby. Yeah, give me, a, give, a, give me a tombstone. Put me in the ground. I'm good to go. I'm gonna throw his body out in the freeway. <laughs> <laughs> well, how are you gonna be buried? Bodies exhibit. I already told oh, you yeah, this. Yeah, that's yeah, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. watching TV or yeah, 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 you yeah. doing the lawnmower. Podcast yeah. body. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh. Uh, yes. Yeah, it's $39.99 if you want to come pay your respects. <laughs> Can you see how thick his wrists are from surfing the web? Um, all right, that's it. Hell Satan. No, Huggy. Hell, none of these motherfuckers. None. Sure, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Hell, anybody but them. Nah. Tell people who played fair on fucking Elden Ring PvP. There you go. Yeah, thank you. There you go. Thank God somebody said it. (laughs) This show is made possible by listeners like you. 
Thanks to our ad sponsors. You can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com. Thank you.